beloved, we open our Bibles to a very well-known, familiar set of scriptures in terms of familiarity with what it says, and I think often quoting it to one another. But I, I wonder if we might, if we're honest with ourselves, if we might express that though we're, we know it very well, uh, we may not be that familiar with it in terms of practice. And the concern tonight would be that we really get familiar with it in terms of our practice. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let me read that again since it is brief. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall make thy path straight. He shall direct thy paths. Amen. Beloved, may the Lord bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the doing of his holy word this evening. Well, as you know, I've become a, a little bit familiar with YouTube shorts on occasion. And uh, one thing that I've been intrigued by, and I've noticed sometimes something will come up, and I think sometimes it is in San Diego, if not always, where uh, what I... What it seems to me are some Christian brethren uh, approach homeless people and they offer them money if they will be willing to tell them what they regret the most in their life. And uh, they're, they're usually seem to be willing to do it and, and they seem humble and uh, they immediately do. They, they can tell you immediately and it's striking some of the things they share. Uh, often a mistake they've made related to their loved ones and they begin to weep. They look incredibly broken and humble about it, and they weep. It's clearly why they are where they are, at least a significant part of it. And then they are thankful for the money, and they continue weeping. They're so blessed by this expression of interest and concern and love. But what, what, what stands out so quickly is that bad choices can ruin the trajectory of our lives. Bad choices can ruin the trajectory of where we find ourselves living later. I want to ask you, what are the things that you regret most in your life because of your choices? And what you've done because of those choices? What are the things that continue to haunt you the most in life because of certain choices you have made? Could you have used better wisdom at the time to make a wiser decision? How will you do that in the future? How will we teach our children in the future? Well, the answer is heed the word of God. And in particular, heed the Proverbs where we find ourselves this evening. And in particular, as focused on in our text this evening in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which teach essentially this, the proclamation upon God's people to completely live by his word and way includes a promise 
that God will prove to be the good and perfect shepherd who leads them along the way of the good life. Let me repeat that for you. The main idea of our text, the proclamation upon God's people to completely live by his word and way includes a promise that God will prove to be the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd who leads them along the way of the good life. By the way, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, what we often hear in prosperity gospel preaching necessarily, uh, but it's the good life morally, and that's the best life to live. Beloved, you will be tempted to trust God only a little bit. You'll be tempted to trust God as far as you think you can go with it until you take the rest of it into your own hands. And you excuse yourself for doing things that are not consistent with the scriptures, that clearly don't follow what God says to do. Ultimately, there are times when you're going to put all your eggs into your own basket and it will break and they will be crushed and you will have a mess on your hands and it and you will stink and your life will stink. Instead of that, our Proverbs call upon you tonight to completely trust Christ with all your life. That's the message for you this evening from our text. Completely trust Christ with all. All. There's going to be an emphasis of two times all. All your life. This is an issue of learning how to choose to live wisely walking with God. This is an issue of learning how to choose to live wisely, walking with God, like a fork in the road, and which place you decide to go, as says our American poet, makes all the difference. One way is a wise and good life, as we think of Christ and what he says. The other way is foolish, and it leads to death. And Proverbs is trying to help you make sure you make wise choices that keep you on the way that preserves your life. Jesus said, most go the latter, most go the broad way where everybody goes, the worldly way, and they find themselves falling off a cliff. Proverbs leads to Jesus. Proverbs leads to life. Proverbs leads to he who is the way, the truth, and the life, and his narrow way that leads to life. Proverbs are about gaining wisdom of how to live your life morally. Proverbs isn't just about having wisdom. It's probably better to go this way, the, the better of two decent things or the lesser of two evils. No, Proverbs is about knowing right from wrong. Proverbs is about having wisdom of how to discern the information before you and what to do with it. To make the right choices between good and evil, which have their own good or evil consequences respectively. And knowing the difference based on God's word and spirit. And so the Proverbs open, calling upon you to get wisdom. Our scriptures are about that. We're going to focus in particular on what they guide us to. But look at Proverbs 1, 1 to 6. The Proverbs of Solomon. Now you'll remember Solomon prayed for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. He gave him great, great wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom 
and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And you might keep in view here, as we're called to get wisdom and all the blessings that come, and a wise person will want to seek these things out and gain this understanding. We remember that Jesus even told his parables, and they were, they were things the world didn't understand, but they were for his people to understand and understand his kingdom. Uh, I want you to turn ahead with me to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, 5 through 10. Again, this is the context of where we are with our text tonight. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall deliver. she shall deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Before we get into the meat of our text, I just want to give you some more wisdom, uh, some wide words, wise words about these wise words, just about the Proverbs more generally. Uh, then we're going to get into the particulars of our scripture tonight. I'm going to share with you from a book called A Proverbs-Driven Life, Timeless Wisdom for Your Words, Work, Wealth, and Relationships, A Proverbs-Driven Life. And it's written by Anthony Salvaggio. He was my professor of New Testament in seminary, uh, had the privilege of having dinner in his home at times, visited and worshipped his church. My understanding is that I think he is uh, still writes for things like Evangelical Press. Um, I think I saw he just pr uh, published something with Ligonier Ministries. I think he's back to serving as a lawyer for his, his work and life. Uh, but he's done a lot of writing for Christian books. And this is one of them uh, that he wrote a number of years ago. I just want to share a number of things that he writes in his opening chapter with Proverbs 1 verse 1 as the main text to help us get a sense of why we study the Proverbs and how there's a contrast and, and what, it, what they're all about. So if you'll bear with me, I have a number of things to share from Anthony Savaggio, a book called A Proverbs Driven Life. First, he says this book is about wisdom, which means it's a book about life. So the calling will be determined whether you're going to make a wise choice or a foolish choice and suffer the consequences for foolish choices or benefit from the rewards of wise choices, knowing that the benefits often can be a delayed gratification. Often the fool is choosing things that are immediate gratification. But it's about wisdom. It's about wisdom. It's about life. 
He says, by this wisdom, we can learn how to live in light of what is really true about ourselves, one another, and this wonderfully yet deeply flawed world. It's about life as God intends for us to live it. Keep that in mind. You know, we often talk about the Bible like the owner's manual. And this in particular, this is how we are supposed, this is how we've been made to live life. This is how we best work, we best live, when we live according to the way God has made us. And of course, Christians has redeemed us to live. He writes, Wisdom is an ability to make good decisions based on knowledge and then act on those decisions in a way that's effective and makes a difference. Information is about facts and knowledge is about fitting related facts together. But wisdom is about using knowledge well. At the heart of godly wisdom is an ability not to become distracted from those things that are most important in life and never to set them aside. The Bible remains our sole reliable source of unchanging, timeless wisdom. Our only real choices in life are between wisdom and folly. That's what's held before us in the Proverbs. Ultimately, we make a wise choice or we make a foolish choice. And then we have the what comes of it. Proverbs, he writes, offers us future-oriented wisdom and guidance so we can make wise decisions and live in ways that please and exalt God. See, it's ultimately about living for God. That's what we need to remember also, because we tend to live for ourselves, and then we justify trusting in our own judgment, which forfeits God's judgments. He writes this, It is vitally important to remember that the goal of Proverbs is not finding earthly prosperity or even wisdom itself. The goal of Proverbs is to grow ever closer to God, who is wisdom. Knowing God is the proper definition of the good life and the highest goal of the Proverbs-driven life. And that's what we need to remember. This wisdom is not about what we get for ourselves or how we set ourselves up. It's about drawing closer to God. That's heaven. Wisdom is ultimately Jesus, Luke 2, 40 and 52, Colossians 2, verse 2. It's about Jesus who gives wisdom, Luke 21, 15, and the one greater than Solomon is he. Remember, this is wisdom from Solomon, Matthew 12, 42, one who is greater than Solomon is here, the Lord Jesus. He is wisdom personified. These scriptures are about him, remember. Salvaggio writes, the wise man chooses Jesus, and the fool chooses the folly of this world. We need to remember that as we make decisions while we're young in life, and while we're middle-aged, and while we're late in life, the wise man always follows Jesus. Lastly, Salvaggio writes, as we live wisely according to the Proverbs, we are living like Christ. We are being conformed into his image, and we are reflecting his glory to the world around us. So as we live out the Proverbs, we're learning how to live like Jesus. 
And we should expect Christ's blessing as he keeps us closer, following him as the good shepherd. Charles Bridges writes this. This is the polar star of a child of God. Faith in his father's providence, promises, and grace. A childlike, unwavering confidence in our father's well-proved wisdom, faithfulness, and love. This is what we're being called to. Listen. Listen to Jesus, who is wisdom and Proverbs personified, and hear his voice in the Proverbs and in the scriptures by his spirit. In the Proverbs, he is giving you a map. He's giving you guideposts to him and his way of life and life in him to have a life to live. Listen and hear him along the way. By the Proverbs, he will clearly direct you with the call of Isaiah 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. That's what Proverbs are doing. This is the way. This is the way. Kyle and Delish write, from God alone comes true prosperity, true help. He knows the right way to the right ends. He knows what benefits us. He is able to free us from that which does us harm. There it is our duty and our safety to place our confidence in him and to not trust in our own judgment. To trust in our own judgment would be stupid. As has been said, stupid is as stupid does. And the Proverbs will point out to us that was a stupid thing to do. Because that was stupid thinking and a stupid thought. It was foolish and fruitless. And we're being warned in our text to be careful about making a stupid, foolish decision. And experience the results of that and the stupid things we would do. God proclaims that you do not live like a fool and earn a fool's ransom. This is an issue of learning how to choose to live wisely, walking with God. And God proclaims that you do not live like a fool and earn a fool's ransom. You know, if you, if you lean on a thin stick, it'll break and you will fall. And so all your life all around you. Verse 5 of Proverbs 3, lean not unto thine own understanding. See, you are not all-knowing like God. You are not eternal like God. You often don't have a lot of information you need to be able to make a decision other than what God's word says. God is all-knowing. God is behind and around in all of this for himself. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's, that's the one proclamation that is given in contrast to the rest of our text. Don't lean on your own understanding. <clears throat> I want to say that again. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
I want to say that again. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your own way of trying to think that you can interpret providence and his secret counsel. Your own way of translating what his scripture clearly means to mean something else. Don't be foolish. Rather have wisdom, but don't be foolish. Look at Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. How many times do you have someone you try to counsel in your life with the word of God, someone who professes to be a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But they go out into the absolute opposite. Or they argue with you, but you try to say, look, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with God. This is what God clearly says. But they don't like what it says. They don't think that's the wisest thing because of all of their thoughts and feelings and what the world is saying and many worldly Christians and so they despise it. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I, th I know better. And we ultimately, when we're leaning on our own understanding, the idea that it's in contrast to what God has clearly said. It's not a safe place to be. Let God be true and every man a liar. So look at this again, the warning here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Listening to the Lord, trusting in him, believing in him and what he says. That's the beginning of knowing anything. You don't have any real knowledge if you don't interpret it correctly from the living God. And the opposite we see there is true. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Look with, uh, ahead to me to chapter 16 in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Fools rush in, as they say. Well, what do they rush into? Evil. If we go by our own understanding, we are not going to depart from evil. It's by God, the fear of the Lord, and getting his understanding through his word. Having enough reverence for him to actually seek his counsel by the word and in the spirit and in prayer. It's foolish to trust in you and your own understanding. You're limited. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. You're not just limited by your being finite, but you're also limited in being sinful. The noetic effect of sin it messes with your mind and it causes you to not see things as they are and not see good as good and evil as evil. Jeremiah 17 verse 5, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, our brother Bruce would quote this very often. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Beware of trusting in your own understanding. And uh, we can say, as we think of the heart, especially as the way people overly construe today, but how you feel, I'm sorry, is not wisdom. How you feel about something is not wise judgment. 
often it will really discolor your judgment and trick you and fool you and make a fool of you. But the promise is the result. There is a promise negatively. If you are going to lean on your own understanding instead of God's understanding, here's how it's going to go for you. Back in Proverbs 3, verse 7. The proclamation is, don't lean on your understanding because I promise you this is going to happen to you if you do. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Excuse me, I have that as a result, but that's more of the more of the command. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We do see from all of the Proverbs how they call out a warning. And it's as if from a father and a mother early in the Proverbs, avoid these kinds of sexual sins. And the danger and the warning is she'll be dragging you by your nose. You'll become a slave. That's the promised reward if we don't listen to the proclamation and we choose to lean on our own understanding. And, and, and don't we so often justify behavior, somehow we excuse ourselves, we make an exception that isn't a biblical exception. We might justify it as it's a temporary thing to a better final good. That's never possible. The opposite is true. Proverbs will tell you that. It's a warning not to follow the ways of the wicked in Psalm 37 that you sang. Considering it looks good for them, but it will not end well for them. Verses 3 to 5 of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Don't do evil like all the evil ones that look like it's going good for them. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So you're going to often be tempted to go the way that looks like a better way for now to get to where you really want to be long term, but it really doesn't have the Lord in view at all, has you in view. That's always the danger. R.F. Horton writes this, They who do entirely renounce their own judgment, who are small in their own eyes, and who with their whole heart trusting him, acknowledge him in all their ways, find their lives running over with blessing, and become the means of incalculable good to the world and to themselves. He goes on to write, Wisdom calls for a certain absoluteness in all our relations to God. A fearless, unreserved, and constantly renewed submission of heart to him. As Christ says, deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. This is discipleship in Christ. Denying yourself, submitting to him. He goes on to write, Wisdom teaches that in his will is our peace. And that he, his will is learnt by practical surrender to his ways and commandments. Beloved, be careful. We often get people to tell us what we want to hear. You know, the, the, even the New Testament warns, uh, there'll be people in churches that will get preachers that will give them what their itching ears want to hear. 
We'll get people to tell us what we want to hear to help us decide to do what we want to do. We'll get the wrong counsel. We'll avoid the godly counsel. We will go out of our way to avoid asking the counsel that we know will tell us what the Bible says. And we'll go to those we know that will excuse it away, talk about our feelings and emotions, you know, explain the word of way and put ourselves over the word in blasphemous ways. But we'll go to that too often because then we can justify to ourselves when we lie to ourselves, finding people to lie to us to help us lie to ourselves and make a foolish choice. But in the end, the result will catch up to us. Too many times we'll open our ears to those around us who will misadvise us clearly in contrast to trusting in God while we keep our Bible closed and our heart closed to the Bible as if we walk in darkness without a lamp and without a light. Proverbs 27, 6, remember it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will tell you the truth, but the kisses of the enemy is deceit and flattery. Charles Bridges writes this, self-dependence is folly, rebellion, ruin. You do not know better than God. I want to share a, a lengthy section from Matthew Henry that uh, we studied at our session meeting last week as we gave ourselves to this study, motivated by uh, what I'll share with you later and just encouraging us to remember to trust the Lord in how we lead the church in and out of season, to know what the word says and do what the word says to do, regardless of what it looks like at the moment, regardless of the counsel of many who would presume to be counseling with the word of God, but are actually leaning on their own understanding, calling us to do the same. And we gave ourselves to this as our devotion with this text last Tuesday. Matthew Henry writes, We must have a continual regard to God's providence, must own and depend upon it in all our affairs, both by faith and prayer. One, by faith. We must repose an entire confidence in the wisdom, power, and goodness of God, assuring ourselves of the extent of his providence to all the creatures and all their actions. We must therefore trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Verse 5, we must believe that he is able to do what he will, wise to do what is best and good according to his promise to do what is best for us. If we love him and serve him, we must with an entire submission and satisfaction depend upon him to perform all things for us and not lean to our own understanding as if we could by any forecast of our own without God help ourselves and bring our affairs to a good issue. Those who know themselves cannot but find their own understanding to be a broken reed, which if they lean to will certainly fail them. 
In all our conduct, we must be different of our own judgment and confident of God's wisdom, power, and goodness, and therefore must follow providence and not force it. That often proves best, which was least our own doing. I really like that phrase before we continue. We need to learn to follow providence, not force it. We get tired of waiting. We know God says, but we don't feel like we've heard from him in our particular situation. Don't try to force providence because what usually proves best is not our own doing. Quite the opposite. So by faith we must trust in the Lord and by prayer, verse 6. He writes, Matthew Henry, by prayer, in all thy ways acknowledge God. We must not only in our judgment believe that there is an overruling hand of God ordering and disposing of us in all our affairs, but we must solemnly own it and address ourselves to him accordingly. We must ask his leave and not design anything but what we are sure is lawful. We must ask his advice and beg direction from him. Oh, how many times, if you allow me to insert, insert here, interject, how many times do you get a Dear John letter from somebody in the church session? And what do they always say? What's the first paragraph? I've given a, given a lot of time to prayer over this. I've given a lot of prayerful consideration over this. And then they tell you what they're going to do, which is violating their vows and breaking God's word. So I'm sorry, I don't know how it's possible that you prayerfully considered this because your choice is leaning on your own understanding, often your emotions, often getting away from wanting to obey God or deal with something that needs to be dealt with. He didn't pray because the spirit would not counsel you opposite of what his word says. We must ask his leave and not design anything but what we are sure is lawful. We must ask his advice and beg direction from him. Not only when the case is difficult, when we know not what to do, no thanks to us that we have our eyes up to him, but in every case, be it ever so plain. We must ask success of him as those who know the race is not to the swift. We must refer ourselves to him as one from whom our judgment proceeds and patiently and with a holy indifferency wait his award in all our ways that prove direct and fair and pleasant in which we gain our point to our satisfaction. We must acknowledge God with thankfulness in all our ways that prove cross and uncomfortable and that are hedged up with thorns we must acknowledge God with submission our eye must be ever towards God to him we must in everything make our requests known for our encouragement to do this it is promised he shall direct thy paths so that thy way shall be safe and good and the issue happy at last. Note, beloved, those that put themselves under a divine guidance shall always have the benefit of it. He's, this is Matthew Henry continuing to write. 
God will give them that wisdom which is profitable to direct so that they shall not turn aside into the bypaths of sin and then will himself so wisely order the event that it shall be to their mind or which is equivalent for their good. Those that faithfully follow the pillar of cloud and fire shall find that though it may lead them about, it leads them the right way and will bring them to Canaan at last. Trust that and may these words lead our feet by God's word and way in Jesus Christ. God proclaims that you should live like a wise man and receive his promises. This is an issue of learning how to choose to live wisely, walking with God. God proclaims that you do not live like a fool and earn a fool's ransom. Rather, God proclaims that you should live like a wise man and receive his good promises. If you lean against a deep set, tall granite rock, you are sure to be steady and stay standing. I think of when we were up in the Sierra Nevadas when we were at uh, Yosemite. And there's a, not only there, there's, uh, you know, you go walking in these mountains of woods, there's these huge granite rocks. Next time you're near one, I encourage you to just lean against it. I remember putting my hand on it and just like, wow. You think of all the scriptures that speaks about God and Jesus as a rock. Remember, we looked at that recently, studying the fact that God is unchangeable. He's unmovable. He's immutable. He's a rock because he is sure. Leaning on him is the sure thing. Verse 5, trust him. Trust in him with all your heart. All your heart. Notice that? It's the same thing we hear in Deuteronomy when we've been going through Deuteronomy all the time. All your heart. Completely give your whole life to him and completely give how you live your whole life to him by his word and ways. Trust again means what? It's a synonym for believe. Believe God to be true. Believe what he says to be true. Or have faith in him. Have faith in what he says to be true. Believe it. Trust Completely with all your heart. Notice this idea of all your heart. Verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Very similar language to Deuteronomy again. Binding around your neck. Put these things, as, uh, things near your eyes. Help yourself remember. Whatever it takes. Keep God's word in front of you to remember, to direct how you live your life. But it speaks to your heart. Which... So does the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy strength and with all thy might. And if we do that, we will be seen in how we follow him. Faith follows. By the way, what's the opposite of faith? What does Jesus often contrast faith with? Fear. And ultimately, it's the fear of man. We often do things and excuse ourselves because we're afraid of someone more than we are afraid of man. We're more afraid to stand up to someone in our lives than we are to stand up to God. That's a scary thing, isn't it? Fear. 
the opposite of faith. Have faith. Trust in God. And if we really do believe and trust in what God says, we will follow that way. We will acknowledge it in our lives. The Hebrew could be translated, know. Know him in all your ways. The familiarity of the way he walks and the where he walks. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Every footstep, every choice of life, small and large, you acknowledge him and his sovereignty over your life to tell you what to do, to tell you what to choose and which way to go. And sometimes it may be everything seems like I should make the other choice, but I know what God's word says. So that is the only choice I can make. And I will do it and I will trust him and it will be seen in my following him. Defer to God's word and not your wondering. Charles Bridges writes, it is to be entire and exclusive. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him. Entire and exclusive. Entirely, entirely trusting God and not yourself and no one else. And exclusively following what God says in his wisdom and no one else. What are God's ways? Trust in his ways. Follow his ways. What are his ways? Look at verse 1 again. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. His ways are his law and his commandments. Again, Deuteronomy, right? Everywhere. With all your heart, keep his commandments. Love him, keep his commandments. Everything, always, all the time. But what else, what are his ways that we're to follow completely? Well, look at verses 11 to 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. And this is referenced in Hebrews chapter 12. It shows you have God as your father. God disciplines those whom he loves. He'll correct you when you don't follow his law and his commands. He'll also just direct you and straighten your lives by giving you the kinds of things that will help you only make the right choice. He'll take away other options for you so you don't choose poorly. His ways are discipleship. This is why Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything I've commanded. And verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Mercy and truth kissed together, remember the scriptures say. And that includes trusting in the mercy of God in Christ and not your own works to save you. Right? None of the Proverbs are telling you how to save your life. They're how to live as one saved by Christ and given a life to live. But still, you can decide of whether you're going to live that life well and maximize it. Or live it poorly and, and have poor fruit from it. But you got to recognize also, again, your understanding has to be that you don't save yourself. You don't deliver yourself. Jesus Christ alone and his perfect work saves you. And you trust in him as your way, truth, and life. You don't trust in your own ways to bring you to God. You trust in Christ alone. 
But then as you would learn to live his ways better as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, in which he tells you in the great Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, he starts it with blessed, blessed, blessed. But what he says is blessed looks absolutely opposite from the world in terms of what he tells you you're going to be doing if you're blessed. Because you're living as citizens of his kingdom in this world, but not of it. So often you'll be going against the flow of the majority. Psalm 111 verse 10, though, promises you this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. And the part I want to highlight there in particular is something a lady visiting us from Portland years ago talking about learning to obey the Lord. She referenced this scripture and said, you know, sometimes the best way you can know what God says is true is just obeying. And it's in the obeying of it that the Lord reveals to you it's true. Not that your experience makes it true, but it, your ability to see it and own it for yourself by doing it. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. And of course, as you do the right thing and you follow the good ways, you will simply have a better understanding because you'll have the Lord's understanding. And less of your own and how you look at things and how you choose. R.F. Horton writes this, True trust in our Heavenly Father rests in the absolute assurance that He will make the path plain and leave us in no uncertainty about His will. Often it will be against our will. That's why we have learned to pray, Thy will be done, with Christ as our example and the one who gives us those words to pray. We know what the path is, we know what his will is, we just need to have it driven into us more that it would drive and direct us. Romans 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the proclamation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's an important way that trust is to be seen in complete abandon at the beginning of everything, such as tithing in every area of life. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Notice the first fruits. Honor the Lord with your substance. He's telling us just a few verses before, trust God in everything. That's going to be seen if you're willing to obey his commands everywhere to tithe. Of your first fruits before anything else. Luther has said the third conversion for the Christian is their pocketbook. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? But not just your money, beloved, your first fruits of your weekly first day as the Lord's Day and how you think you will make the most money. How often people have justified forsaking the Lord's Day for work and money. I have to work. That's the first thing you'll hear people say. No, that can't be. That can't be the answer because God's word clearly says you must not work. In the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, it clearly says you got six days to work. What are you doing with those six days? Frankly. Yeah, you do have to work. you got six days to do that. The Lord's Day, you are to tithe it. The first day of the week, you're to tithe that one day, all of the day, into the Lord. 
So many excuses are often given for breaking the Sabbath, but foolishly doing so will break down one's life. Ronald E. Hawk and David P. Smith in their book, Old School, New Clothes, The Cultural Blindness of Christian Education, devote an entire chapter to the Sabbath. And how the school needs to honor the Sabbath, teachers need to honor the Sabbath, parents, students all need to honor the Sabbath. And if we don't revolve our life around the Sabbath, we're going to, Sabbath, we're going to break down, the school's going to break down, it won't be right. They write this, Sabbath, as an integral part of the creation, is required of the church. Because Sabbath is rooted in God's creative work, it is integral to what it means to be human. A failure to observe Sabbath is dehumanizing, they write. A failure to tithe your week, your first day unto the Lord and rest in worship, and everyone else in your life can be worked around it, thank you very much, is going to show whether you are dehumanizing or humanizing yourself and others. And it's going to show who is your Lord, ultimately, because we obey who is our Lord. And we will get the blessings or the curses based on who we choose to obey. And it comes at the beginning. Trust is seen in the beginning, not in the end. Not kind of fitting in and later, see if I can make this work later. That's not trusting the Lord. That's trusting ourselves. And you particularly see them emphasize it with tithing here in the scripture. We see it often with the idea of tithing the weak. And frankly, these are some of the biggest struggles for Christians. But God's giving a promise with this proclamation. Trust him. Our text says to trust God with all your heart. Let him direct you in all your steps. Not most of them. Not when it's convenient and easy and no one's pressuring you to do something else. All the time. Always. With everything. So our Westminster Confession of Faith says the Sabbath is to be kept holy all day. But again, beloved, there's a promise with these proclamations. Let me review one of them with you. We love Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. But listen closely. Listen closely if you want the blessing. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, and let me explain again, I'm thankful to Pastor Bob McCurley in the Free Church of uh, Scotland continuing out of the Carolinas. He explains what that means. If you turn your foot away from the Sabbath, what that means is, here's the Sabbath, you're about to trample on it, you turn your foot away. Whoa, 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 I'm not going to treat the Sabbath like that. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure, thy pleasure, on my holy day, you might say, or the pleasure of others. From doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Remember, what did we learn earlier? The Proverbs ultimately are about being closer to God. He says, you keep my Sabbath, you're going to delight in me in a way you won't otherwise. 
See the promises of God word, God's word when you bow to his proclamation. The promise is the result. Verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him and the promise, the reward. He shall direct thy paths. God will direct your ways. He will make your path straight, not crooked. That is morally and thus physically. It looks like a life like this. Look at all the blessing promised. I'm referring to first as the proclamation and then the promised positive reward. I saw in someone's book, it might, be, it might have been Jerry Bridges, and I think it might, might have been the handwritten notes of probably either Pastor Bell or Ron Renner, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> From our library. <laughs> Request and reward. I would say promise, proclamation, promise, request, reward. Recognize there's a blessing to be had. There's a promise God makes upon your life. If you're going to give your life to live for him all the time, all the way. There, the life looks like this. Verses, verse 4 to begin with. Uh, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And beloved, I want to warn you, you lean on your understanding, you're not going to believe all this. Yeah, I know, but I think I'll, I'll take the lesser reward. That'll be good enough. Nah, that's not the way the Proverbs presents it. Take the reward. It's the only reward. Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Verses 13 to 18. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding, of course, from the Lord. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Now again, this is all very similar language to Deuteronomy. And to the commandment, the fifth commandment, ultimately submitting ourselves, honoring the Lord. Which Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 comes with a promise. Now look at verses 21 to 24. Look at all of these promises, these rewards if you lean on God and you live it out, and it's therefore clear you are. My son, verse 21, my son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and uh, d discretion, excuse me. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy ways safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Of course, the sleep of the wicked is said to be quite the contrary in the scriptures, isn't it? Look at all of these rewards, these blessed promises. And again, you have to believe God. You have to believe not only what he says is what you should do, you have to believe that the best blessing on you and your family, your church, and this world is living that out. If you follow Jesus, the good shepherd, he will bring you through the straight gate and narrow way that leads to life on his rock that will not be destroyed by the storms. R.F. Horton writes this. 
to know the secret of the Lord, to walk in this world not guideless, but led by the Lord of life, to approach death itself not fearful, but in the hands of that infinite love for whom death does not exist. Surely this is laden with riches which cannot be computed in earthly treasures. The man, therefore, who is led in the ways of wisdom, trusting wholly to God, is in harmony with that great universe of which he forms an intelligent part. You can't live against the ways of the God of the universe and expect for it to go well for you in that universe. He's made it to function a certain way, and he's teaching you to trust him in that way. Lean on his understanding of the way he's made things, the way he's made you, the way he's redeemed you, the way he's dealing with the world around you. And then trust you'll be in harmony with that universe. Matthew 6.33 is an important scripture to circle, underline, and remember. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How? What ones? Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. What I do know is Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. All these things shall be added unto you. These verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, were the theme of the message of Mr. Jim Den Uten, the president of Providence Christian College. I mentioned this morning, Elder Renner and I had the benefit of uh, traveling to hear him speak about the history of the college a week or so ago. And it was a great encouragement to Elder Renner and I as we considered to continue to serve Christ's church, even the context more broadly of why we were there. A lot of difficulties leading us in certain ways. A lot of prayer, a lot of discussion for about 12 months seeking counsel from one another. By the way, that's something the Proverbs do tell you to do. Did you make a decision and you didn't seek counsel from others, especially others that know the Lord and know his word? Well, there you go. That's why it didn't go well for you. Too often we don't seek any counsel from others. We make decisions we think we know best, and we don't need the influence of others. I almost never make an important decision, and even a minor decision, without a consulting session. For my life and for the church's life. For my marriage. I asked for permission to date Fernanda. I asked for permission to marry her. They heartily gave it, but I wasn't about to do anything so significant uh, without that counsel in, in context. I've sought the session's involvement in everything we're doing because I know how stupid I can be, how blind I might be to something, how much I need others to help me see the whole landscape, bring scriptures to mind I might not have thought of, and just to have time to marinate in prayer over time and see how the Lord directs it, knowing we've done what we're supposed to do according to the word. Often that's all we can do, and now we wait. In that message by Mr. Den Uten, he shared about 
when they were trying to get the college off the ground, and he was never planning to be president. Uh, they were trying to get uh, this thing started around a kitchen table originally. Then they were trying to get the first president, and they thought they had him, but he didn't want to leave Michigan. And then finally, he was willing to consider applying because one of the people, I think, on the board kept appealing to him, you should think about this, you should think about this. He didn't, he didn't want to do it, but he trusts, he says, because you're asking me, I will. You take wisdom in many counselors, you don't go by your own understanding alone. Sometimes, he said, often they're struggling with how to get money to get started, how to get staff and professors, and after they had them, I think it was about six in total, how to go the first year with no students. Many times along the way, where will the funds come from? Where will the money come from? And along the way of this message, he kept saying, trust the Lord. We never lost sight. We never lost focus of what we believe the Lord was calling to do. We just kept trusting the Lord. We believed he wants a reformed confessional college in southwestern California and on the west coast. We never lost sight of that. And nothing that happened, and he went through all kinds of things, deterred us from that. Trust the Lord. Don't lean on your understanding. Don't lean on what it looks like to you. Don't lean on how you feel about it or others might be fretting about it. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. That was his theme. And the Lord continued to provide. Trust the Lord. Beloved, that's got to be for us. And Elder Renner and I were just so encouraged by this message because often we are wondering and struggling and wanting to lead faithfully along with Elder Maxwell. And, you know, it's so easy, just as easy for us not to trust in the Lord, to quit, to give up early, to fret, to try to do something churches do to fill the pews. But we have to trust the Lord. And we have to trust the Lord in and out of season, just as with the preaching. We have to trust the Lord in terms of how he has entrusted us to guide and shepherd the souls of his church in truth, in righteousness, in holiness. And we have to trust that the Lord will provide just like he has. What do we do every end of every year? It isn't without all kinds of amazing things we couldn't plan on. It isn't with all kinds of hard work and special things and special creative ways of adjusting. But when we go into the new year, what will we be singing together, beloved, for the month, Psalm, as we always do? Psalm 124. If it wasn't for the Lord, let Israel now say, if it wasn't for the Lord, and then they describe, we would be done for. But let Israel say, the Lord has come through again. We have to just keep trusting that, but we're always tempted not to. We're always tempted to get jumpy. We have to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Beloved, sometimes trusting is waiting. Sometimes trusting is acting. Sometimes people might say, oh, I'm trusting the Lord. You trust the Lord. It doesn't look like it. you're just sitting on your hands. Clearly, the Lord's opened the door. Are you not going to walk through it? <laughs> but sometimes the door is shut, and we clearly can't be banging and trying to smash it open. We wait. Sometimes trusting is waiting. Sometimes trusting is acting. 
It's often in getting in many counselors. It's knowing when to wait and when to act, what to do and what not to do in different situations. According to the word of God, this is wisdom. This is understanding. It takes thoughtfulness. It takes study. It takes patience. It takes belief. It takes faith. And over time, by experience, get a little better at it by God's grace. When you're tempted to take a shortcut that ends up being a long detour away from God and his blessings, you need to remember to trust and obey and stay on his way. Anthony Salvaggio also writes this. Bob Beasley notes that someone once described Proverbs quite appropriately as, quote, the Ten Commandments in shoe leather. For in that book, we be, uh, begin to see how wisdom can uh, be walked out in real life. The Ten Commandments in shoe leather. Remember, the Ten Commandments are the summary of God's law. The Proverbs help us to learn how to walk God's law. Remember, verse 1, what is his way? How is to understand things? His law, his commandments. Shoe leather is the walking of it. And how is that walk to be? Totally following after Jesus in your heart and with your feet. Beloved, completely trust Christ with all your life. That's the message for you from this text. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Do you believe that? You got all different decisions to make. Whatever area of series, phase of life you're at. Do you believe that? We like to say that. We like to quote it. Do you believe that? Let's see it in your shoe leather. Completely trust Christ with all your life and get the best blessings of life in God and Christ, who is the greatest blessing. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we do confess to you that we are so often leaning on our own understanding and wondering why we always find ourselves laying on the ground. Help us to lean upon you who art the rock. Give us wisdom to know your word well and to consult with people who know it well and show a willingness to trust in you and acknowledge you in all their ways and have experienced the promised blessing that you will direct our paths. You will keep them straight. You will keep us on the straight and narrow way that leadeth unto life. You will keep us following after Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Having been given life, trusting in him, then walking close with him and enjoying the fullness, the abundant joy and peace that is not of this world. Oh, Lord, help us to completely trust the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our life. Lord God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference in what is right and what is wrong. And help us to listen and hear the Spirit telling us by the word, especially guided by the Proverbs. This is the way.
You are the good shepherd. You will not leave us stranded and confused. You will always speak to us. This is the way. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And let us trust in you and trust in what you say. And forget about ourselves and concentrate on you, Christ the Lord, in whose name we pray. And we pray as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, open with me to Psalm 67 in your Psalters. Page 133, Psalm 67, please stand. Page 133, Psalm 67. Da, 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 da. Lord, bless and pity us. Shine. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 